Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. On this episode of Big Drive Energy, our full swing recap series, we've got Episode 5, American Dreams, featuring mostly Matthew Fitzpatrick and Dustin Johnson, another little uh, live versus PGA Tour scenario. And of course, this is all brought to you by our presenting sponsor over at Pins and Aces. We're having a watch party here at the DNVR bar in the corner of Colfax, New York, Saturday, April 8th. Masters Saturday going to be incredible. We're going to have the sound on. You're going to hear Jim Nance throughout the whole bar. We're going to have games. We're going to have giveaways. Pins and aces will be out here. It's going to be an incredible time. So make sure you come out for that. We're going to have egg salad sandwich specials. Also $5 John Daly's. So I'm going to drink quite a few of those and be pretty uh, lubed up with my, you know, my swing lube, the one of the classic uh cliches that you get at the at the golf course you know got to get some swing lube some birdie juice and we're going to have plenty of that for you guys here down at the dnvr bar starting at 11 a.m mountain time on saturday april 8th be there it's going to be a blast hell yeah all right let's tee it up hello friends welcome to this tradition unlike any Did somebody scream mashed potatoes? That was mashed. American dreams. It was always Matthew Fitzpatrick at the at the U.S. Open, and we fucking missed it. We we woofed it. Yeah, we whiffed on that one. What's up with you saying lately? It was always so. And I don't so. know. I'm just kind of. It was always the thing, <laughs> and I just have now figured out that it that it that it's a thing. It is, and it is kind it. of the perfect thing to say in hindsight. Like it was always them. Yeah, maybe we just start tweeting that out after every tournament. It was always Matthew Fitzpatrick, <laughs> or that could be the new like "Thanks for coming out" tweet, like. Scotty Scheffler Sunday morning. It was always Scotty Scheffler. Yeah. Well, yeah. We could have tweeted that like seven times in the last fucking. Oh yeah, maybe we just make it a our Saturday afternoon tweet. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming out. Like fucking. It was always Scotty Scheffler. Anywho, let's get to this episode. Uh, I actually really enjoy. I enjoy a lot of the Englishmen, so I I thought the whole Matthew Fitzpatrick feature was pretty cool. Um. He's a very unique dude, just the way he's built. And you look at 
like Rory and Fitzpatrick and they're similar size, like height wise and stuff. But Fitzpatrick just, when you saw him at uh, the USAM at the country club, kind of coming full circle where he wins the U S open there, obviously. Um, but he looks like he's 12 and he's probably like 18 at that point. Like he's just very narrow shoulder. Like he's not, he's not built like athletically whatsoever. He just looks like every other dude. And so that I think is one of the, the biggest things for me is just like how impressive it was that he looked like that. Cause like, obviously he's not fat. He's a skinny dude, but that being skinny doesn't mean you're an athlete. You know what I mean? So I, I don't know. He just, the, how, how hard he works at his golf game and then um, how much distance he's gained these last couple of years in order to put himself in the position to be able to compete in these events. Cause we all know what kind of, um, what kind of, uh, God, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, uh, how important distance is. What kind of, oh God, dude, I'm shit in the bed here. I can't remember the word. Um, emphasis, what kind of emphasis did we have put on distance in the game of golf? That's kind of along the lines of what I was looking for. But uh, what what did you think of the epi? I, Dustin Johnson, really not a whole lot in there. He's just kind of dirt to dirt, big dumb, like, like just kind of, I just play golf and, you know, he just doesn't seem like he cares about anything. Yeah, well, there's so there's a lot to unpack here in this in this suitcase of this episode and just the the show in general. One thing I want to say that's really cool about this show, and this is kind of an all encompassing statement, but like uh, my sister in law now, her you know her family, um, not big golfers. She doesn't even like care for golf at all. And we they were all at the house on Sunday and they were watching the last of like the Valspar. And like into it. And she said that like full swing got her into golf and like made him like made my, you know, brother-in-law, Tim want to play more. Uh, shout out Tim. If you're listening, we'll go play some <laughs> golf this summer, but also like made her like into it. And that's the, the, the coolest thing about the show in general is like, just like drive to survive did with F1. And I feel like a lot more people are into F1 full swing really turned up the, notches on how exciting golf is and then when you watch it it's not for people that just play golf it turned into a show for people that don't play golf that now actually watch you know pga tour event with some sort of interest and then turn that into maybe playing so this show has done a lot for the game more than this you know live versus pga tour whatever you know that's just a lot of pub um, but it's mostly from people who are already into golf, but this is a show that really brought golf to the forefront for people that it wasn't there. So I want to say that's cool. It was cool to hear in general. Um, but Maddie Fitz, I wonder if this is like a blueprint for kids moving forward, you know, like it's the overanalyzation and all the data collection. Like, I don't think every kid's going to track every single golf shot he hit from when he was 15 on. But this is kind of the way that golf is moving. And you wonder after watching him, you know, most of us like us in the in the in the club, if you will, the golf club knew that he was like this. But now I think with that show coming out and how popular it was and how many people watched it, I do think there's going to be some kids that are in that 12 to 15 year, year old age range that kind of like decide to make it a priority that much versus like just practicing a ton. What do you think? 
Oh, for sure. And I mean, even technology has moved in that direction with like Arcos where they it tracks, you know, you don't even necessarily have to manually track it. It will track all your statistics for you about where you miss each club, how far you hit each club. And we're actually going to have a guest on this week that is very well versed in Arcos um, and many other statistics that nobody cares to look at or thinks about, which is going to be fucking mind boggling. Should be an awesome episode. But um, yeah, like definitely data collection. And there's some people, you know, there's going to be haters out there. They're like, oh, you know, and we see this in every sport where it's about the eye test. It's about, you know, it's about more than the stats. And in golf, it really isn't like, I mean, it does come down to big moments. Like, can you clutch up in the big moments? But statistically speaking, um, you know, you're, if you are a better iron player than everybody else, then you have a better chance under pressure of hitting a better shot than anyone else and so on and so forth with putting and driving and, and all of that. So the statistics really do shine through at the end of the day, regardless of, well, the eye test, this, he looks like this, yada, yada, yada. So uh, I definitely think Fitzy was a little ahead of his time with all that stat tracking he was doing. And he, he just, I don't know, like golf definitely see, it seems more like a job to him than anybody like that. I've closely been able to see play golf. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it, I don't even know if he gets enjoyment out of it. He just maybe just thought like, I've just always wanted to be this and this is what I am. And who knows if he even fucking likes it or not. And, you know, you can tell what the other guys like, Dustin Johnson, for example, I think he he actually does go out and enjoy doing it. And you can see a lot of the other guys do go out and enjoy doing it. But it just seemed like Fitzy was so solely motivated by one thing, and that was making it on the PGA Tour and winning on the PGA Tour and winning majors, you know, and on the European Tour, DP World Tour, um, that I'm just like flat out impressed by his work ethic and it kind of goes to show, you know, unfortunately for every one of him, there's thousands of kids that want to be him, but anything is possible. Like if you go that extra mile, you anything is possible. <laughs> what is that from? It's like a Kevin Garnett interview. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah when yeah. they won the finals, just mm-hmm. like yelling anyways, go on. No, I, I just think that I really commend his work ethic because of all people you look at, you're like, that dude is not meant to be on the PGA tour. Like there's no destiny there for him. It was, he earned the shit out of all of that. So. Right. Well, there's three, three branches. I want to go down from what you just said. We'll start. Uh, there's just so many things, just so Let's many things it. coming to my yeah, mind. So number one, number one, definitely. I feel like in this show and maybe this is just me. So you can kind of give me the, if you get this feeling or not, Okay, we know that the overarching thing is live is bad, PGA Tour is good. But PGA Tour I feel good, like, live bad. Correct. But I feel like in this show, while they do profile live players a ton, I feel like they show them in a light of like, oh, they don't give us f- a much of a fuck about golf. They just want to make money. And then all the PGA Tour guys that they profile, like, oh, he's the hardest worker, the nicest guy. What do you do? You get that kind of oh, same it's sense? Definitely, it's definitely skewed in that direction. Like, uh, 
you can tell and that's just the I, I mean i don't want to really get into like the meat and potatoes of it but the pga tour has their hands in you know that nobody wants competition and the live is pga tours competition so they're going to do whatever they can to make live look like shit and even i re- i realized it um when they were uh doing the pre-round interviews at like the u.s open or whatever and that's when re- live was really a buzz a bubbling um buzzing around the golf world and they always mention the saudi backed golf the live tour like why don't what before they say the pga tour they're like why don't they list who's who pays for the pga tour like they basically they the pga tour has built this umbrella umbrella of a bullshit you know we're a non-profit this and that when their commissioner's making 35 40 million dollars a year but on paper to the general public they they, they almost have like washed themselves they don't need like washing but they've they've put an umbrella over themselves where they they make themselves look so good and in reality they're not so it's it's just so weird that like that even the golf commentators are like it's saudi backed like oh we haven't heard that on, on fucking tv 800 times everybody knows where the money's coming from obviously they're pretty transparent about it at this point so yeah i definitely think there's a, a bias around the announcers around everything that like it, but then also like you listen i actually watched a little bit of the live round this saturday or Sunday when they were playing at Tucson and these live guys are also kind of being paid to be like, yeah, live is great. You know, like we love it out here. It's fucking awesome. This and that. So everybody of course is going to want to justify what they've done and both tours are going to, you know, make cases for themselves. And Dustin Johnson put it pretty, pretty point blank in this episode. He goes, if, you were offered more money to work less and you didn't take it. You're an idiot. Like a yeah. lot of it. And that's where I, exact quote I have written down playing. Le- if you're offered the same job, you were working less, making more money. It's pretty simple. If you don't yeah. take it, something's wrong with you. Yeah, exactly. Like I, there's definitely that element to it. And especially, I mean, to get a guy like, Dustin Johnson, where I, I, it definitely wasn't even about the money for him. You know what I mean? He's one of the few dudes where he's going to make, he, he would have made a shitload of money on the PGA tour. So it's not like, I, I think it legitimately came down to time for Dustin Johnson. And like, I mean, I, I was just, I wasn't going to go into this right now, but p- talk about being taken care of your entire fucking life. Like, how how much of a a horseshoe does Paulina Gretzky have stuck up her ass? She is literally born to the best hockey player ever. And then she obviously that's going to get you more status as a human being. But then she marries a dude who's going to make hundreds of millions of dollars golfing. Like, I don't know if she knows what the word job is. Uh, she probably can't spell it. She doesn't seem like the uh, quite the brightest bulb in the box, but she's a. Uh, Talk about a fucking character, man. And like, she just looks like a chick that gets paid to sit on somebody's boats in a bikini or just, that's just how she goes through life. So what a, what a fucking blessed life she's got there. Yeah. You're not wrong on that one. Um, Circling this back to um, a little more Matt Fitzpatrick. I think that uh, 
like, first of all, I love that dude. Uh, it was just really cool. Like the end of the episode is like every one it's of these touchy. Me my feels. Yeah. Like it's yeah. kind of annoying. It's like, like this dust storm just starts blowing up in the middle of my this living fucking room. Gray's Anatomy or a golf reality show. <laughs> like Spencer yeah. fucking cutting onions over here. No, it, it did get me. He's pretty... unofficially. Yeah. It, was, it, it just, I mean, I wouldn't say I got emotional. Like I got emotional at one point during Joel Damon's and you know, whatever, but um very like very cool moment especially for his caddy who'd never won a major billy foster been on a bunch of different european guys bags and to finally get one with fitzpatrick who is probably the i wouldn't say the least likely but um definitely not a, a fucking shoe in by any means so i i thought that was really cool and even when fitzpatrick so awkwardly like doesn't want to say anything after the win like he can't even be like, thank you to all the staff and thank you for a wonderful week. He's just like, no, 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 I can't do this. And then like Daniel Rappaport's talking to him about dancing. He's like, no, I don't dance. Like I never dance. Like Fitzpatrick just yeah, seems. He was like grinding, such grinding a in college is probably the last time you danced. And he's like all, but that kind of relating to my point is golf is this, the one sport where like, you know, I relate it to like warmups on the range. It, it doesn't like you're never going to be intimidated by someone, but it's the sport where the I guess you could be intimidated. Like they even said, Justin Johnson's like an intimidating figure in the golf world. But yeah. golf is the one sport where you can get your ass whooped by a guy, a nerdy English dude with braces, and he beats the best players in the entire world versus like football. Like, yeah, normally the most athletic, biggest, strongest, fastest guys are the best players. Not all the time, but more often than not, like you cannot profile a golf, a person to how good they are at golf ever. 100%. No matter how athletic they are, you can't profile them. And no matter how unathletic they are, you can't profile them. Exactly. You look at John Daly and then you look at Matthew Fitzpatrick and both of those guys have won a major in golf. And then you look at, you know, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka. Um, one of the notes I wrote down, it was just hilarious when they were getting ready for the final round of the U.S. Open and they clipped to Brooks Kepka throwing in just a fat hog of a dip, just a fucking huge lip. And then the next scene or the next little blurb is Matthew Fitzpatrick just covering himself in like 200 SPS sunscreen. Like, like just the discrepancy of like coolness there where Fitzpatrick is like fucking looks like just covered in white. And then Kepka's throwing in a huge lip or like, let's get this shit on the road. You know, there's just such a big difference. But like you said, Fitzpatrick came out and won that day. So you can never, you never judge a golfer. Like coolness gets you nowhere in golf, unfortunately. Like it can maybe make people remember you, but at the end of the day, like all that frilly extra bullshit does nothing for your golf game. So Fitzpatrick's just like the grit fucking nose to the grindstone, no funny business uh, gets it done. Um, well, and it's not, it doesn't show up as much, I think as they're adults, but I would think like a lot of the kids playing in the U S amateur, like that's one of their like peaks that they want to win so badly and having a kid like Matt Fitzpatrick come over from England with his brother on the bag, which is also a little cool part to the story. How oh, for good. sure. His brother's I, I gotten live offers. Like his brother's a really good player. Yeah. And, but just the disrespect being like a, this one of these pompous golf kids from 
Texas or wherever, Florida, and you just get your ass whooped by this English kid who's just like meticulously writing down every shot and you're getting driven into the ground by him. It's got to be so frustrating. Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, that, yeah, I had that in in my notes is that was one of a like talk about an all time moment where your brother is like your your little kid brother is caddying for you and you just see like the shit eating grin his brother has on his face walking up 18 and then Fitzpat Matthew looks back and like kind of gives him like a, a little smile and it's like we're fucking doing this right now like this is unreal and in hindsight I also kick us for not betting Fitzpatrick at last year's US Open purely out of the fact that he won the USAM there like because even he said in the press conference and I didn't see it last year, but he said in the press, he's like, yeah, I feel like I have an advantage. Like he said, it feels like a home game to me. Like, cause of the USAM you play, like he's probably played there at least a dozen. Well, you play there at the, for the USAM at least dozen to 15 times probably. So um, yeah, he, de- he definitely had some experience around there. And I was like, how the fuck did we not bet this guy? Yeah. Well, one of the cool, stories about this show and how they've kind of portrayed things going from the beginning of either the year or whenever they do it on each kind of individual golfer is when they show Matt Fitzpatrick, like everybody doubting him at PGA championship, he ends up losing it, not losing it. I mean, Mito Pereira, just looking at that leaderboard, I'm still in shock. He didn't win that tournament. Right. But the, just like, showing how he loses the PGA championship. He's down like they're like, well, you know, whatever. And then it transitions into him winning the U S open. So it's like the story of, you know, these guys, they have to get back to it, you know, back on, you know, you're back on Tuesday, Wednesday at the next place, the practice round. And then you're back to the course on Thursday. You can't really like dwell and granted make, you know, winning second place or third place in a major and, collecting five, 600 K is not the end of the world and the end of your career. It definitely helps, but just the over how they just bring them down and then like lift them up at the end of each episode is just a cool little oh, feature sure. that like in the storylines of each one. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you just said that second or third at a major pays half a million and now it's like two, I think second place makes 2 million and I think if you get top five, you basically make a million bucks. So that's how like our brains work from 10 years ago where we're like second place makes like six, 700,000. Now it's like fucking three times that amount. So, well, that's even last year though. That was just this year that that's, we have to like retrain our brains. Last year, the win, I think uh, there's still PGA tour winners making two and a half. Yeah, for bigger events, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for for majors and stuff. I think you they were still making a good chunk, but yeah, it's uh, there's still tour events like the you know the off whatever the split week events where they're probably making six seven hundred thousand. But that's just like where my mind is ingrained is that every PGA Tour player makes like one point two for a win, and then second is six hundred. I just can't wrap my head around this whole like $4 million for a win. Like the PJ tour, if anything, you can say they've done well with inflation because they're paying everybody a shitload more. Not every, not your fucking minimum wage job. They're giving you 25 cents. PJ tour is like, well, we'll just quadruple our purses, fucking make all these guys a bunch of money. Um, yeah, they're definitely the cost of living wage. The cost of living raises are going up on the yeah, tour. Exactly. Exponentially. 
hundred percent. Um, a few other notes I had, did you see in the beginning of the episode, Fitzy called himself a tosser in a derogatory term? I might've missed that one, but I did have a term written down. He said, I've, I've played well round here and, uh, it'll hold me in good stead. (laughs) Just the way they talk, dude. I love it. I I'm so fucking jealous of that. Well, dude, he's like, you fucking tosser. It's like, what yeah. is a tosser? That almost sounds like like bad. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's like fucker, wanker. I don't know. what. Who knows what it means? But I thought that was great. Um, initially, when they had Danny Rappaport over at like Fitzpatrick's like rental house or whatever for the what was, was that the PGA? I think that was a PGA. Um when you know they were talking about all that and so thomas peters was there and peters is a fellow european tour player played at illinois fitzpatrick played at northwestern so i don't know if they knew each other from there or what i think uh peters is from belgium i want to say or maybe he's i don't think he's english i think he's like from belgium or something um but they seem like they were boys. And then Fitzpatrick just came out a couple of weeks ago saying that live players should never be able to play again on the PGA tour, like lifetime bands. I just, it's so interesting. The dynamics of like these friendships, like, is he saying that his friend Thomas Peter should never be able to play on the PGA tour? I, I guess it's hard to like draw a line, you know, between friendship and, and, um, and business. And I mean, I, it, it was just weird to me that, who knows if they're still friends or not. And there's a chance Fitzpatrick like hates Peters now that he's on the live tour, which is fucking just a, a weird deal for me. I don't know if you realize that. Yeah. I, well, I was, when I saw Thomas Peters name, I was thinking about where he was playing now or where he was. And now you're like, Oh, he's on the live tour. And it, it was just kind of an interesting fact. I think one thing you can take away from these episodes and just, the way they talk about it, of course, it's PGA Tour focused, but I think a lot of the consistent um, X amount of top players in the world is going to like slowly die until they figure something out with the official world golf rankings and live because they make they want to make fields seem stacked. So they say that, but then you've got like 46 through 40 through 50 are guys that no barely anybody's ever heard of. Right. And, you know, like, and if you're, you're putting live guys in there based on, you know, if they were to play the same amount of tournaments and it's all relative and in a, a what if scenario, but you'd be like, okay, there's 15 dudes in the top 50 that are on the live tour yeah. in general, generally speaking. So I wonder how much they're going to ride the, oh yeah, the, you know, best players in the the ex best players in the world are in this or 10 of the top you know, and, and it's just going to be stacked every time now because, like, the top 10 is always going to be, like, you know, there's nobody sneaking in there that you're like, oh, that I don't know who that guy is. But then once you get to the, like, 20s, 30s, it's like a bunch of dudes that you don't know who they are. You don't have, like, a surprise player down at, like, 45 anymore. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, And maybe that takes golf in more of a direction of the major champions – are now considered the best players in the world because that's the only bat testing ground that every player can participate in. You know what I mean? So maybe that's how they base themselves off one another. And maybe that's what Liv touts like, oh, we've got two of the last four major winners, you know, on our tour. 
and that seems like kind of what they've leaned into because obviously they can't earn uh, world ranking points, like you said, on the live tour right now. But maybe everybody just leans into the majors and are like, this is really the only true testing ground for every single golfer, you know, because anybody can participate. There's no suspensions. There's no this and that. Um, a few few other notes I had. Did you hear some of the the guys from Boston? Like, so the country club is in Boston where the U.S. Open was held. And I've actually heard players before, you know, in years past say that, like, anytime a major or any event is in the Northeast, it's brutal because the people are just a bunch of, like, fucking crazy, you know, Boston accent. Like, you just picture, like, a crazy... Assholes at this place. Yeah, a bunch of mass holes, exactly. Like, crazy dude with a Red Sox hat on fucking 15 beers deep screaming but actually if you heard some of the dudes yelling shit at fitzpatrick it was like maddie sketchers don't be a baby like fucking grow a pair shit like just some savage shit like i would just i've just never been compelled to yell that at a golf tournament i i don't know if that's ever struck me and i don't think it ever will because it's just like what the fuck We've been at the tournament every year. That's the most of that going down. Yeah. And I've still never felt the need to yell, but you know, to each their own. But yeah, yeah. it's like, if I was Matt, I'd be like, I'd find the Maddie sketchers guy and just give him one, give him a bird, get, show him my trophy, <laughs> fucking have money falling out of my pants and my pockets and shit. Yeah. Like just totally rub it in. I mean, Matt's not like that, but I would be like that. Right. No, I agree. And, it's just impressive the thick skin these guys grow in order to be out there. Cause as much as, you know, we don't hear it. Um, another, one other thing I will say is I've always said that like for athletes, no matter who you are and we like, I th- maybe that's why they did Fitzpatrick and DJ. Cause Fitzpatrick is the king of s- taking statistics, you know, grind his ass off DJ. If any, if I had to like say any player in the golf world, um, like the game came easy to, I think it would in the history of golf, I think it'd be DJ. Like that dude just seems like he just, for some reason, it just seemed like he popped out of the womb at 18, like ready to win a major. He just doesn't, it doesn't feel like there's ever like that much hard work. And maybe, maybe that's just kind of the attitude he gives off. Cause he's so like low key and just like, so relaxed and likes to have a good time, but I've just never, really looked at DJ and been like, oh yeah, he's really grinded, you know? <laughs> right. That and and that's, is, it's crazy. That's part of it where they kind of, I mean, it's just the profile, like the player profile. I'm sure there's guys on the live tour that grind and, but they, when they kind of profile him that way and DJ has just always been one of those guys where you just watch him and you're like, holy shit, this guy's just so much more talented. Like he was the first distance guy, you know, people were hitting it far, but he was the first one that was hitting it objectively further and people were like all about it and he kind of created the wave pre bryson wave where and he wasn't a douchebag and he was winning but even looking back like this is how i know i'm getting kind of old when i look back and like see where golf was with the fucking pants like when he had that first tournament he had that white shirt and those like tan fucking balloon pants i'm like holy cow and now he's wearing like tight adidas pants like i I actually have I have that in my notes, like the outfits and the, like the white driver and shit that we thought looked so cool. looks so bad now. Like the R nine. Remember you played the R nine. I watched you snap hook that bitch so many times. You just hit oh. that thing. R 11. I had the R 11 white. Driver. Was that the R 11? 
Yeah, R11 was the white one. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean that. Like we we thought that was like the coolest thing. Like, oh, a white driver, and now I'm like, God, that looks like shit. Like, if I could have my way, I would have a driver head with nothing on it. You know, like the most low key thing possible. But back then, high school, we were all about it. Um, yeah, those outfits are just flat out terrible. And the hats were all bad too. Like just in general, golf clothes has made such a, a a jump into the current day compared to 15 years ago. Um, so we're lucky for that. One my last note I had written down, and I just every time I see it, I have to talk about it. The bunker shot that Fitzpatrick hits on 18 out of the fairway bunker is like the toughest shot in golf. And I, you know, unless you hear directly from Fitzpatrick, nobody will ever know like exactly how, you know, unless you actually were there and hit it, which nobody did except for him. um, You'll never really know like how hard that shot was. Cause I probably would have hit that 30 yards. I would have made triple walked off with piss down my leg, like change your pants, get out of here, Mitchell. Um, And he just, clips it perfect like it that just goes to show you how locked in that dude is just to be able to focus and make perfect contact at that time is just unbelievable oh yeah there's always that that shot in a major and he hit it on the very last hole just super impressive and really love Bet- Matt between Fitz that or and- like the 70 foot putt those were the two like well the, the 70 foot putt was more of like the momentum swinger where you're like okay this could be his day and then yeah, when when he hit he when he missed the fairway on eighteen, everybody's like, "Oh boy, is he like, what you know, like is he ready to collapse? Like where are we at?" And then he just hits such a solid approach shot. It just kind of left no no doubt at that point. Oh yeah, those a legend and DJ's a legend too. Both of the dudes, really good episode just from a two different player profiles, but just the well way they tied them in together also playing at the u.s open together uh just makes me so excited for majors again for obvious reasons that it's a major but the whole getting the whole band back together essentially four <laughs> times a year is what's really going to make it super compelling and i'm hoping like the DraftKings sportsbook really gets into this and like gives us some has like sick, live versus pga props and shit yeah like that shit we will get into um and we're gonna get into speaking of DraftKings sportsbook use that promo code dnvr and get 200 in bonus bets and you bet five dollars after you sign up and use that promo code we had a great week last week, and we're going to real quick preview the uh, WGC match play here at Austin in Austin, Texas. Um, but DraftKings Sportsbook, we had four guys in the top ten last week. Pretty solid week for us. Only how ended many up units did couple, we gain? We only ended up up two units uh, if we bet one on every winner and one because my plus six fifty on the top 10 for posting was a, was a dead heat. So it didn't make all those units back. Otherwise we would have been up seven or eight. That Um, that was my pick for posting or your pick for posting. Yeah. I just wanted to, you just been so fucking awful this year that I, Oh, but this week you, you, I was in your backpack this week. So I appreciate that. Um, But we do have some picks for you guys for this week at the match play. Super cool that they do this in the same conjunction as the NCAA tournament, a little 64 player bracket style golf. Well, I, um, I hate to be a, a bearer of bad news, but you know, this is the last year match play is going to exist, right? Oh, don't tell me that. No, for real, because the WGCs, they just don't with all the, the, um, 
what are they calling them? The fucking bigger field of the uh, stepped up fields. Yeah, the, whatever you want to call it with those 12 events, because that's what the WGCs used to be. You remember that where they had four of those um, along with the majors where they were kind of, you know, put in a different light than just your run of the mill PGA Tour event. But now that there is those stepped up um, events already on tour, the WGCs have kind of disappeared and and uh, nobody like I think the the sponsorship with Accenture has is it still no it's Dell I'm sorry it's Dell it was Accenture back in the day um the sponsorship with Dell has run out and there's no companies wanted to pick it up and then their contract has run out with Austin Country Club um and so there's nowhere to play it and like do you remember the year they played at TPC Harding Park that was so fucking sick where they they jumped around a few years and the match play at Harding Park was so good. Like I thoroughly, thoroughly, and it's it's gonna be one of my like biggest missed events for sure that um is going away because it is so much fun to watch them play match play and it's just a grueling week. Um but yeah, it sucks it's going away. Yeah, that's that doesn't make me sad. This is always a fun one to watch and gotta be an interesting one if like you're out there because on Sunday there's four players on the golf course. Like the entire yeah, time. king of the castle, king of the castle, king, king of the castle. Um, so my <laughs> pick, um, I'm gonna do it. It was always Scotty Scheffler. Uh, if you log into the DraftKings Sportsbook, you're getting plus 300 on any winner, and he's plus 800. I have a strict rule where I don't bet anybody plus a thousand or less, but with that boosty, I'm gonna boost it up to plus 1100. And he has won this, he won this last year. Um, and he was a runner up two years ago. So it, why not? I can't. Why? Just, so why? Just win yeah. it again. He's going to win it again. At this point, why are we even making any other picks? Like we should just put Scotty Scheffler on the graphic and that's it. Cause yeah. it just feels <laughs> like every arrow points towards him winning. And I wish we could lean into it so hard that it would have the reverse psychology of him losing. But that's what I'm doing. Uh, I don't think and my bets don't win. I, when I just get mad and bet and spite bet, they don't win. So I'm hoping that's the same for Scotty Scheffler, but he's plus 1100. And then I've got Xander Schauffele plus 2,500. Uh, just a good solid all around player. Not like great in match play necessarily. Like he doesn't have like the, there's a few pedigree. guys out here. You're like, yeah, you're like oh, a Tyrrell Hatton or somebody that, match play wise, you'd feel good about, but Xander just hits it really well, hits wedges well. Um, and I think he could be a force this week. And then, uh, I'm taking Keegan Bradley to come out of group three. Uh, he's plus two seventy five, So he's the, the second favorite, if you will, he's, you know, who's in that group. He's in the same group as Rory. So, and I just like, I'm in a weird non-trusting, you know, you're going to have to prove it to me phase with Rory McIlroy. So I'm not there. Like, I'm not going to be like, hey, you know, ride him. But I think looking at the other guys, you know, the interesting thing about this this tournament, too, is that um, you kind of don't know, like, how some of the guys are going to react in match play. Like, in a stroke play event, you're like, eh. But in a match play event, it always changes it up. So, for this one, um, group three is... Um, oh, geez. And I actually right, do like how they, the, yeah, this is great. Um, I do like how they've, 
in years past, it used to be just uh, one to 64, you know, like single elimination, but they decided that uh, this is like too much to have a guy fly out for just 18 holes, you know, to, to fly back home. So they made the group stages kind of like, I think it's like similar to the world cup where if you come yeah. out of your group, then they, you know, it goes to 16 to, to eight, to four, to two, to one. So. Yeah. Keegan Bradley's plus 275 Rory to win that group is minus one Oh five. And then Denny McCarthy and Scott Stallings are both in that group as well. So I'm feeling pretty good about that. The group above that is like a bloodbath. It's John Rahm, Ricky Fowler, Billy Horschel, who's won this two years ago, and then Keith Mitchell. Oh, wow. Yeah. And Keith Mitchell's playing good golf right now too. Yeah. That, that will be a bloodbath of a group. Um, So my bets, I'm going with a couple of really good ball strikers. It seems like uh, those guys, you know, a good ball, a good ball striker wins every week on the PGA tour, but sometimes it's a little more emphasized by the course and Austin country clubs, like a pick your spots, you know, kind of work it a little bit. Um, It's not all just long shots. You got to have all the shots in the bag. So I'm going Victor Hovland plus 2,500. Um, I think he's kind of due for a little breakout this season. He's been up near the leaderboard playing some good golf up near the top. And then Colin Morikawa, same thing, plus 2,800. I think both of them have a pretty good shot. Um, I'd say they're they're both pretty jovial, dude. Not not jovial. Um, I don't – Victor Hovland's a jovial dude. Morikawa, I don't really know if he's got like that killer instinct – I'd say he may have a little bit more of a killer instinct than Hovland, but uh, who knows? We'll see what happens. It's kind of a crapshoot other than Scotty Scheffler. It just feels like they should just have a Scotty Scheffler versus the field bet at this point. Um, But an interesting prop that I think will be good is they offer largest winning margin on the DraftKings Sportsbook. Um, So I'm taking eight and seven to be the largest winning margin at plus a thousand. Um, somebody always gets blown out, you know, it's, I'm done. Like it's, it's somebody that goes and two in the first two rounds of the group stage. And they're like, fuck it. You know, let's get out of here as soon as possible. And so, uh, and that's a fun bet because in this tournament, it's not over till it's over, you know, that eight yeah. and seven bet, like it could be the championship, probably not, but you yeah, know, it could it, be. It, Exactly. And even like the third place match, I think has been a blowout a few times because some of the guys are like, well, you know, I got this locked up, whatever. Um, But yeah, there's plenty of opportunity for somebody to just get blown the fuck out. So that's that's what I'm banking on. I don't see nine and eight, um, but I do see eight and seven that I think that's a fair, you know, you push a couple and then you lose the rest and you're out. He gone. Yeah, that that will be a fun one to kind of keep track of, and, and mm. we'll, we'll send a we'll send a bottle of champagne to whoever loses that match. Exactly. That yeah, with with our names on it. Exactly. <laughs> well, everybody enjoy the WGC Dell match play. Uh, the last playing of this one, great field. Uh, a lot of guys that uh, the course is pretty cool. It's kind of weird. Like there's some weird holes and it's just kind of an overall weird vibe. Yeah. It's all like it's all janky. I actually think the aesthetics are pretty cool, but the it's definitely like very hilly and very, you know, a lot of elevation change and you just got to be in very good control of your golf ball. So. 
Yeah, exactly. And Scotty Scheffler is going to do that and win this tournament. It was always Scotty Scheffler. It's enjoy always been the, him. Enjoy the match play. We will be back on Thursday recording a pretty awesome episode with a great guest tomorrow. If you're on golf Twitter, you know who this guy is. So it's going to be an awesome one. We we landed a big fish in this one, and uh, it's going to be a great pod, and that'll be released Thursday this week. So make sure you're tuning in for that. Enjoy watching the match play, and we'll talk to you guys this week. Peace. Peace.